0: From the EPR Creation Studio, in the midst of the outer bands of Hurricane Ian, this is the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. We're going to be talking Wake Forest, Florida State, doing the preview here. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing you the best of website development and internet marketing for an affordable price. You also should should sign the petition over at ShowTheSafeties.com to uh, see the passing game on television. Visit the Unconquered Podcast shop for some great climb stickers, Norvell Cornrow stickers to spice up your life and the lives of those around you. Buy a few stickers, support the podcast. We're also brought to you by Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Newsma of Shenandoah Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and Garage Makeovers, the best for garage remodeling company in South Florida. All this information in the show notes. Let all those folks know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. Support the podcast helps us out a bunch. We're going to go ahead and talk Wake Forest, Florida State. This is a pivotal game, obviously, moving into the uh, that central portion of the season. And we talked about on on the preseason previews that Florida State needed to start well this season. It was imperative both for recruiting and, and in terms of the direction of the program and establishing proof of concept and given depth issues and all of that to, to maximize, to bank as many wins early up uh, up front as you can. And they did that. 4 and 0 through the first three games. You you could not have asked for anything better in that respect. And now they hit that central three game section of the season that really defines where this season's going to go and and really what the ceiling for this season is going to be. Starting it's three three ranked teams in a row starting with a, a very good Wake Forest team, then NC State and Clemson. And you know this is this is going to be defining not only for the season, but this really sets a a ceiling for the messaging that that Norvell and company can take on the road as well. And and I think that's that's really really important. And of those three, it's my view that that Wake Forest is really the best matchup. It's the one where you you have the best opportunity to win it. And again, a four, a five and zero start would go a long long way. And and again, you're getting hopefully getting some guys back from injury over the next couple of weeks which should be able to help you quite a bit. So this is this is a game that really can set the table for them. Now, it's also a game where you're playing a team that is probably the second best team you've played so far. I don't think Wake Forest is necessarily any better than, than LSU. Player for player, LSU's got a stronger roster. But this might be the best coached team you're going to play all year. Uh, Clawson does a great job with those guys. And they've got their own system. It is it is very clearly a program, and they know how to play their brand of football. And it's a team that that stomped you pretty good last year at their place. So, actually, what I want to do is I want to start by looking at last year's matchup because I think, given how a number of those pieces are still there on both rosters, and some of the pieces that have changed or that where where some some places things are a little bit different. I think actually looking at last year's game can really help set some expectations for what you might be able to see in this game. So if you look at how last year's game went, if you go back and you watch that game, like actually go back and take a look at the, at the condensed game that the ACC network puts up on YouTube. It's fascinating to actually see that and realize how far Florida state has come over the past season, over the past year. Because that does not look like the same Florida State team that we're seeing now. This was pre-Norvell's speech, pre-really the team buying in, which I think the team really fully bought in. And, and Norvell has said behind the scenes that he felt the team really fully bought in to what they were doing at halftime of the Louisville game the next week. They were still not really entirely bought in against Wake Forest. And you could see that. And they weren't, I think, as a coaching staff, still sure of what they were going to be, of who they were going to be, what their identity was at that point in the season. They were still trying to work with Mackenzie Milton. Again, remember last year, Wake Forest, Mackenzie Milton started that game. And you saw a dinged up Jordan Travis play about a quarter's worth, maybe a little over a quarter's worth of of, of that game. And this was before they, they really just figured out sort of at that in that, uh in that Louisville game and beyond that, no, that this, this has got to be Jordan Travis's team and we're going to build in this direction. And, and things have really changed since then. But I mean, that was the game where you had the cringeworthy Mackenzie Milton quarterback run call on fourth and two, where, you know, there was just no chance. You're running a one legged quarterback on a, a quarterback a called quarterback run with no other options on fourth and two. And he just got smoked. I mean, there's just no chance on that play. And then you look at the numbers here, Milton was 11 of 16 for 119 yards, not so good, two interceptions and two fumbles, four turnovers from him in that game. And then Jordan Travis and his brief time played was five of six for 107 yards, two touchdowns and one pick. So that's pretty productive, relatively speaking, and certainly comparatively the the offense scored both of its touchdowns in that limited stretch where Travis was on the field. And of course he got dinged up and went off and, and that changed some things as well. But this was a game where Florida state turned it over six times. And if you remember, they turned it over six times plus a roughing the, the kicker call that extended a drive. And then and, and on which wake Forest scored a touchdown. And then there was a late hit, a a, ba- a a bad call, actually a late hit out of bounds that extended another drive. That was a late hit on third down. So, you could, you could actually think of it. And this is what I said in, in the last year's post game, it was all, it was like they had eight turnovers last year in that game. Essentially there were, they were roughly the equivalent of eight turnovers in that game. And they still only lost by 21 points, which is actually kind of remarkable. You, you turn it over that much. You expect to get blown out that much more. And, uh, I I remember I I got some numbers from Steve pointer last year, uh, after this game, and, and he, he passed some of this stuff along to me last year in after the five really significant turnovers or one of those uh, situations with the roughing the kicker and the late hit call. So out of those in those seven situations, Wake Forest averaged six point one rushing yards per play. And thirteen point five passing yards per play for their twenty one points plus a twenty one for three touchdowns plus a field goal, so twenty four points on seven point nine yards per play after those turnovers and uh, and mistakes that extended drives. So essentially, in your quick change situations, seven point nine yards per play. In all other situations prior to the very end of the game in garbage time, Wake Forest averaged 4.9 yards per play and 11 points. So they had a tremendously difficult time in quick change after turning it over and putting their defense in bad spots. When Wake Forest had leverage and, had, and got the football in great field position because of some of those mistakes, Florida State's defense just did not respond. That was a very fragile football team. And they, they just didn't respond. That's a huge difference, though, 4.9 yards per play versus 7.9 in those various situations. And that was, by the way, 24 plays in those after after turnovers or the, uh, the extended drives, 54 for the rest of the game. Those 24 plays were where most of their damage was done. This game was also a game where Robert Scott got hurt early and Florida State was already down in terms of their offensive line. So you had Brady Scott come in on the offensive line to replace him. And he got dominated. It, it was, he, he really struggled in that game. And they couldn't run the football because, essentially, you had a one-legged quarterback who Wake Forest didn't respect as a passer. And then an offensive line that could not block the guys that were across from him consistently. And then you had the, the Florida State wide receivers that got single-covered and mostly dominated in this game. Pokey Wilson was kind of the exception to that, had a big play there for a long, long touchdown and had some success there. But he was the one guy that really did much. So they were able, basically, the offense was completely impotent in this game. Receivers got dominated. Offensive line without Robert Scott and Washington was also dinged up. And then Maurice Smith was was dinged up. I don't remember if he actually played in this game. Yes, he did. He did. He played. But he was dinged up. That offensive line was, was in bad, bad shape at that point, and they couldn't move the football. Oh, and then on defense, Deloach missed the first half because of a targeting from the prior week. Brownlee got victimized for 104.2 uh, NFL passer rating on the game, giving up 23 yards per catch. And then and Jones, who was banged up at that point, gave up seven catches on eight targets for 12.4 yards per catch and a touchdown. And this game was still only 35 to 14, which is kind of crazy. So all that said, that brings us to some of the things that are different in this matchup compared to last year. First of all, you have Jordan Travis, who has established himself as a quality quarterback, who's really running this offense with efficiency instead of Mackenzie Milton. You have an offensive line that banged up has lost three starters at this point but still in much better shape than last year's offensive line and wide receivers that I don't expect to get dominated by Wake Forest secondary they've actually got to play play the pass in this game unlike last year oh and then Brownlee's not on the roster you're better off at corner there Jones is healthier although again should be the third corner on the field given that duke cooper is back and you've got not only deloach at linebacker from the start of the game but you've also got tatum bethune who's your best linebacker and has really changed that defense so florida state has really gotten a lot better across the board on both sides of the the ball in areas that were really victimized last year by wake forest also last year that game was played before Florida State moved Jamie Robinson to safety with Hakeem Dent, and they solidified. They finally figured out their best pieces at safety when Knowles proved that he could play the play the slot the way that they wanted, and then they could move those guys into that safety role. And they really—the that the Florida State defense completely changed last year after that move. If you look at yards per play given up, if you look at scoring average and all of that— Florida State's defense was significantly better. We've talked about this, you know, for a year now, almost. Uh, we they were significantly better after they made that move and they put those guys on on, on the on the field at safety, and suddenly they weren't giving up the same degree of, of long plays and some of the problems that they that they've that they were giving up against Wake. So a lot of things have changed since last year. And then Wake Forest. Lost one of their elite uh, wide receivers, but they got one back from, from injury, Donovan Green. And then they lost core running back that they depended on to be one of their best guys on that offense last year. Otherwise, they're pretty much the same team they were last year. So I think it's a significantly upgraded Florida State against a Wake Forest that I don't think is quite as good as they were last year. They're still really good. But I don't think that this is a situation where you know, Wake Forest was a better football team than Florida State last year, at least at that point in the year, probably all year. But I think that's much more in question now. Florida State has grown in lots of areas where you know Wake has more or less treaded, wa- treaded water. So let's go ahead and take a look at the actual matchups in this game. We'll start with the offense, with the Wake Forest offense versus the Florida State defense. This part brought to you by Shenandoah. Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. You can find her at ShenRealEstate.com, Shenandoah Newsma. Tell her you heard about her from the Unconquered podcast. Now, Wake Forest is going to go as far in any in any game offensively as their passing game can going to take them. Sam Hartman is an elite downfield thrower of the football, and he's they are loaded at wide receiver. A.T. Perry, 6'5", Jamal Banks, 6'4", Donovan Green, 6'2". I think that's the best set of wide receivers in the ACC. And this is one of the two best, might be the best, but it's certainly one of the two best passing attacks in the ACC, along with, along with North Carolina with Drake May and that group. They are, in, they are elite when it comes to winning 50-50 balls, which for them have been more like 80-20 balls. And again, Hartman is an elite downfield thrower who consistently puts the ball in spots where only his guys can get him. They win one-on-ones. They make things miserable for defensive backs. I mean, you watch what they did against Clemson, and they put on a clinic with the downfield passing attack. And again, a lot of this is is predicated on that slow mesh that everybody who's watched Wake Forest knows what they do. They, they run that slow mesh situation where they're running RPOs, where they're not reading the the linebacker, they're not reading the end man on the line of scrimmage or any of that stuff. They are reading the safeties. If the safety steps down, or if the safety stays with flat-footed, then they're going to throw that alert post over the top. Or sometimes they'll read a a corner, you know, if they think the corner has run responsibility. But normally it's safeties. Because teams have to handle, especially when they're in tray formation, they've got to handle, they've got to have somebody to handle that outside gap. And if the safety commits to the run, then they know they've got one-on-one with the corners and their receivers just win those matchups over and over and over again. And Hartman just tosses the ball up and he throws the ball with more arc than virtually anybody else in the country, probably anybody else in the country on those. He gives his receivers a chance. Now, this is where you hope for maybe a little bit of residual wind from Ian. Uh, gusty day would go a long way for Florida State. Uh, doesn't appear that that's going to be the case, but, you know, any any additional wind helps because uh, it affects him more than it will most quarterbacks because how much Air he puts under the football. But that's what they do. They run that slow mesh. They're going to try to force you to bring one of the safeties into the into the uh, into the running game, and then they're going to take advantage of one- on ones that you get or that they get in the passing game for big chunk plays. That's what they do. Now here's the thing. that slow mesh RPO, and its effectiveness really depends on them putting your safeties in conflict. If you can stop their running game without bringing the safeties into play, then all of a sudden the advantages that they normally have there are neutralized. And this is where Wake Forest, I think offensively is not quite as good as they've been the last couple years when they've had really good running backs that you have to really concern yourself with. When they've got a dude at running back, then this is a nightmare because then you have to you have to actually commit that extra guy to the run. And that means you've got to have good enough DBs to win one on one against those receivers. And very few, very few teams have have both of those things in place. But this year, Wake Forest rushing offense is pretty bad. And not not below average, I mean, bad. They're not as bad as Boston College was uh, Boston College, I think has the worst offensive line in the power five right now, but I don't think their world's better. If you look at their yards per, per carry on the season, 5.17 in the opener against VMI, 3.78 at Vandy, they averaged 0.81 yards per carry against Liberty and then 2.82 yards per carry against Clemson. This is not a, a powerful rush attack. And I think by this point in the season, Florida State should feel comfortable coming into this game saying, you know what? I'm going to force them to run the football. Instead of bringing our safety up and, and putting him in conflict, we're just going to play our safeties back until they show that they can run it. And honestly, I think Clemson almost got themselves beat by the approach that they took in that game. I mean, Clemson, Clemson played clemson football in the sense that you know they believe in bringing pressure they believe in loading the box and forcing teams to to beat their corners well (laughs) wake forest said yeah absolutely that seems great to us and they just went single high most of that game through three quarters clemson went single high most of the time and they brought a lot of blitzes they did a lot to try to slow wake forest's running game down and make make Wake Forest one dimensional in the passing game and Wake Forest just torched their young corners those are not their starting corners by the way so going into the fourth quarter Wake Forest was averaging over 7 yards per play in that game cuz they were just torching those corners but a drive or so into the fourth quarter Clemson finally went to a two high look and just relied on their defensive line to stop the run and they got a couple stops They forced Wake Forest to just run the football. What You you could see the slow mesh. They're still watching those safeties. But when those safeties stayed back, they handed the football off. And even when Clemson went too high, Wake still only averaged 2.8 yards per carry in the fourth quarter. That tells me a lot. Now, Florida State does not have the defensive line that Clemson does. They just don't. But they've got some players. And... You look at a guy like Robert Cooper, who can two gap, and can can occupy a you know a single offensive lineman, and, and both gaps on either side of him. That that's really valuable to turn some of the numbers back in your favor. I think what Florida State needs to do in this game is to take actually pretty much the same approach they did against LSU and Louisville. And the advantage there is that Hartman, while an elite deep ball thrower. And, you know, he's pretty mobile, and he hurt him with their with his legs a couple times last year. He's not Jaden Daniels or Malik Cunningham with his legs. He's just not that kind of quarterback. So I think what you do is you take basically the same approach you did against LSU and, and Louisville schematically. You keep your two safeties back. You, you protect your corners as much as you can through most of the game. You vary it a little bit in terms of what you do. But you play a lot of cover two-man, I think, against them and you you basically force Wake Forest to run the football down the field over and over and over again and make sure that if you are going to play quarters at some point and again Florida State's base coverage is cover 7 which is a match a man match quarters look if you're going to if you're going to do that and your safeties are going to have some involvement in the running game there i think you make your safeties play a little higher so normally in a quarters look your safeties are going to have their 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 heels at at you know 10 and a half yards or so 10 yards I think in this game you make your make your safeties play higher in quarters maybe you know 11 or 12 yards and they only trigger late once it's obvious once it's absolutely clear that the running back has the football otherwise they keep getting depth and they stay over top of any verticals if there's a vertical you stay over top of it and you rely on your on your front to win you rely on Bethune and you rely on on uh, on Deloach to run and and, and make plays against the running game and make sure that those guys aren't getting free for big plays. I think that's what you do. You just give Wake consistent run reads and you force them to run the football all the way down the field. And then, you know what? If they get into the red zone, you play red zone roulette where the slow mesh doesn't really help you as an offense. So Wake Forest, you know, once that field compresses down and you're in the red zone, that get things get a lot harder for them because they can't just take advantage of the one-on-one throwing it over the top of, of the safety who's coming downhill. Now it's a physical matchup and they're going to have to, you're still going to have to win some matchups against those big receivers and one-on-ones outside, but you feel a little bit better about that than you do with them just getting big plays down the field where they've got the whole, the whole field to, to win. You got some big corners and you can, you know, potentially get some, get some wins out there. You play red zone roulette if they're going to get there. But that's the thing is that they're not guaranteed to get there. If they're averaging, you know, three yards a carry, 2.8 yards per carry, even when you're going too high, that they're gonna, you're going to get some wins there. And I think the thing that you do is you rely on, okay, if you're going to have to run the football eight, 10 times to get down in there, one of those first down runs, you're going to get a tackle for loss. You're going to get them off schedule. And then if you can just get, two, three stops in a row. All of a sudden, they're off the field. You get your you get your uh, your defense off the field and you win. I think that's what you have to do against this Wake Forest team in this particular game. Now, it certainly helps that you have Duke Cooper back. He needs to play well in this game. And of course, this would be a great game. This would have been a great game to have Fabian it, But, you know, he's not going to be back for a while. So, you know, oh well. But, you know, if Duke Cooper looks better keeps progressing. He looked a lot better against uh, movement-wise against Boston College. If he's healthier and, and is playing at the level that he should, now you feel good about both corners. And you've got your safeties that you feel good about. Now you just let your linebackers and your front handle the run. And if you do get them off schedule, the thing that you can look at that I think is worth thinking about is as good a quarterback as Hartman is, he's had some blow up games in terms of interceptions and turnovers. Last year, he had two interceptions in the loss against UNC. He had three interceptions against NCSU and four interceptions against Pitt. And those were situations in each case where they, they weren't running the football all that all that well. And those those defenses basically were able to game him a little bit with safeties. Where he 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 took some shots on some four verts concepts and that sort of thing and safeties were able to basically bait him into throws. And I I think if Florida State plays this right defensively and they force Wake Forest to be patient in the running game and they're able to get him off leverage, off schedule just a little bit with the tackle for loss here or there, you know, stops for, you know, 2 yards in the running game with their their base front and they're able to play with those two safeties over the top a little bit more and protect their corners a little bit, I think you're going to see Sam Hartman throw an interception or two that are going to be key. Now, all that said, I do think Wake's going to score some points. Those receivers, Hartman, they're too good not to score a decent number of points. But I also expect a couple turnovers. I think I think you're going to see a significantly better matchup for Florida State in this game than what you saw last year. I think, I think Wake Forest will wind up around 5.5 yards per play but I think you're going to see some turnovers as well. And I think that'll be a a, a little bit lower number of yards per play than people expect. I think this, this game matches up well for Florida State defensively. Now, over on the offensive side of the ball, which is brought to you by Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, the best real estate agent in the business out there in the greater Jacksonville area. Let him know you heard about him from the Unconquered podcast. When you look at the other side of the ball, Florida State's offense against Wake Forest's defense, this is, I think, a significant advantage for Florida State. So whereas I think the Wake Forest offense versus Florida State defense is pretty close to stalemate with maybe you know, some advantages for Florida State in terms of being able to cover over, over the top of those receivers while committing your, your defensive line to, the run, to a running game that's not as good. On this side of the ball, on the Florida State offensive side of the ball, I think Florida State's got some significant advantages because I don't think this is a very good Wake Forest defense. They're very opportunistic. They will turn you over if you don't execute. But up front, they they don't scare you. This is a team Florida State can block up front. And I think in the secondary, they've got some vulnerability. I mean, Clemson mossed their corners quite a good bit. And frankly, I think Florida State's got better playmakers at wide receiver overall than, than Clemson does right now, which is crazy to say, can, given what we saw last year. But I think this is a game where Florida State should be able to ground and pound this Wake Forest defense. They've not had a lot of success in terms of stopping the run. I mean, Liberty ran for 4.38 yards per per carry against them at Wake Forest. And I think Florida State's run game is better than Liberty's, especially if they end up involving Jordan Travis's legs in the run game at all. I think FSU can average five yards a carry against against this Wake Forest defense or more. There's some plays to be had there. And really, the biggest difference from last year is Wake Forest last year could commit extra guys to the run and just play man to man on on Florida State's wide receivers with zero respect for the passing game because they didn't think Mackenzie Milton and those wide receivers could beat him. And they were right. Now, Travis had a couple big plays in the passing game. He had a 62 yarder, I think it was, uh, to pokey uh, was was one big one, so Gave up a. Uh, they were willing to give up a couple plays, but they they felt like they couldn't. Florida State couldn't just line up and pass the football against them last year. Again, Travis had more success than than Milton did in that. And this year, Travis is I think significantly grown from where he was last year. And you're, if if you prorated his his numbers from last year for four quarters instead of one quarter, you know you're looking at 400 plus passing yards against against that Wake Forest team, and that's with receivers that that really couldn't get open. That couldn't win those one on ones last year. I think this year, Florida State's wide receiver crew is they're they're different. And if if Wake Forest loads up to stop the run the way that they did last year against Florida State, I think Florida State's wide receivers, I think their passing game is going to torch that that Clemson secondary. It's the opposite of last year. Wake Forest has to actually play more traditional Wake Forest style defense here of playing you know little more soft quarters plan some you know too high type stuff to try to to stop the passing game or they're going to they're going to get beat on a number of verticals they're going to give up some big plays in the in the air and so that's where florida state's newfound balance i think really really helps them and i don't think wake forest can afford to go too high and and try to stop fsu's run game with just their front 6 i i don't think they can do it so this is where I think this game ultimately is going to be determined. I think Florida State's going to be able to play with more balance on offense. They'll, I think they'll be able to run the football and then throw off of that play action and some of the RPO stuff. And I think that that ultimately is where this game is determined. Now, red zone efficiency is going to be absolutely critical here. Florida State's going to have to make it pay off when they actually do get down into the, uh, into the red zone. Wake Forest has been pretty good as a red zone defense but and this is also where you know Florida State's field goal problems hurt some I mean you think about the hazards that are brought by not being real good at 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 field goal or even extra points right now they're not even reliable that that does affect things and if you get into a close game where you know end of half or end of game type stuff matters not having a reliable kicker can really burn you but I think actually in terms of, you know, red zone and all of that, the interesting thing is that not having a reliable kicker in those cases, <sighs> if you know that you're not great at kicker and you're trying to avoid putting yourself in that situation, it changes what you do as a play caller. You take more, you take every situation more as a, you know, probable four down territory type thing, and you're willing to to, to call for, okay, well, you know, it's third and seven. I'm willing to run the football here. Maybe we get five. And if it's fourth and two, we can we should be able to get that fourth and two. I like our setup here. And then you admit, you might score more touchdowns. You might, you know, come out with nothing on one of those drives, but on three of those drives, you know, you you score touchdowns and you wind up better off than if you'd kicked field goals on all four. So, I mean, I think that's where the way that they know now that they're going to have to play as though it's four down territory. And, you know, as soon as you cross the 40 yard line, I think that actually doesn't hurt them as much as you might expect. I think, again, end of half, end of game type stuff, that matters. But either way, red zone efficiency is going to be critical. They're going to have to have a good plan for third and fourth down for making sure that they that they get things paid off once they get into Wake Forest territory. And I think, again, this is a game where we probably see Travis run a little bit more uh, if, if need be. But I think Florida State's gonna average six and a half yards per per play plus in this game. I don't think that that Wake Forest defense is as good as Boston College's was. So yeah, I think a lot of what we saw against Boston College is the same sort of thing that we'll see against Wake Forest, but with a little bit more success. Overall, I like this matchup for Florida State. I, I think I think this this is a favorable matchup, especially at home. And yeah, it is scary because of Hartman and those wide receivers, big playability. You know, you give up, you know, four huge plays to those giant receivers down the field and suddenly you've given up 28 free points. Well, yeah, that changes things. But again, I like Florida State's secondary. I like their right now, Florida State's leading leading the ACC and in, 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 against the pass and pass defense. And I like what they've got in terms of those safeties being able to help. Kicking problems are a concern if this gets close late but I think ultimately it's not going to be close late. I think Florida state's going to be able to run the football. And I think wake forest is going to have more difficulties being balanced in this game. I think turnovers ultimately also are a factor. I've got Florida state winning this football game, 45 to 27 with a 75% chance of winning. So I'm a little bit more bullish on this game than some others. And I've been more bullish on a lot of things I think over the course of the season, but so far mostly been right i think i've had a pretty good handle on on where uh the acc as a whole has been coming into this year and again i i just like this matchup for florida state in terms of being able to be balanced against the team that i think is going to have trouble more trouble being balanced in this game like i said i've got florida state 45 27 75 chance of winning we'll wrap there as always this has been the unconquered podcast i'm your host jason staples thanks for listening the Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shen Real Estate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach in Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast Shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level. That is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.